Now, good morning. Uh, my name is Young, a uh, pastor here at New Life. And uh, this will be a familiar sight to some of you guys. Um, if you guys are new or if you weren't able to make it to WinterCon, um, this is the reception area. This is kind of what you first see when you drive into um, the TOPS Conference Center. Uh, many other groups were using the site as well. And for whatever reason, they approached our registration desk thinking that we were their group. Most of them were Asian. You know, I don't know why that might be. Um, the theme of WinterCon this year was Born of God. And if you weren't able to make it to WinterCon for whatever reason, if you are new, um, I will be referencing it a little bit, you know, throughout the sermon. So during this time, if you uh, weren't able to make it, maybe just substitute a different uh, church camp that lives on in your memory or, you know, something else, uh, some sort of other event that God has used in your life, and it'll be uh, much the same. But at WinterCon, we talked a little bit through our identity as adopted sons and daughters in God's family. And we also did a little bit of work in un uncovering uh, some of the idols that we have beneath the surface in our lives and the things that we give a little bit more attention and worship to uh, than our, fa our Father God, and thus the things that we identify ourselves by rather than God. And some of you have wondered, what now? And coming out of WinterCon, what now? What do I do? You might know about these idols, but you definitely don't want to go back to your old lives. Uh, your old way of life that you're used to living. Now, whether or not you were at WinterCon this year, um, this will hopefully be a very relevant message to all of us um, as we seek to center our lives around God. How about I pray for us first, and then we'll get into it. Father, we turn to you at this time, and we ask, Lord, that you would speak to us in a relevant and clear way, in a way that we can understand in a way that guides us, in a way that changes us from the inside. Truly, this heart change is what we desire, and it's something that's only possible through the work of your Holy Spirit. We've tried and failed so many times, and we've seen it again and again, uh, even at the most recent camp. And so we pray, Lord, that you'll be at work in our hearts, that you will be transforming us this morning. We come to you this morning as a broken and contrite people, as people that know that we have no resources of our own. Would you move us in our hearts, God, towards love? Would you help us, Lord, to love your son? Would you help us, Lord, to love what he's done for us, what he's done in securing our identity as part of your family? As we look to this once again, Lord, would you help us to be transformed in the way that we live our lives, be with us, Lord, illuminate this message to us, and help us, Lord, to seek you in all that we do. Give us all wisdom that we might be transformed. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, a long time ago, I remember I was talking with a particular pastor uh, that was leading uh, the church that I was a part of, and I was really excited about a camp that I had just gotten home from, you know, very similar to WinterCon. Um, I felt like my own faith was growing, you know, in leaps and bounds at this camp. You know, we got all excited. Um, I saw the way that my friends and my fellow church members as well were committing their lives to Christ. And what's more exciting than that? I remember just grabbing a hold of this pastor and just, you know, like almost shaking him, you know, just being like, how was camp for you? You know, because I was really excited. I wanted to know. And he, you know, just mentioned that he'd been to many camps and conferences over the many years that he'd been a Christian, whether as a pastor or not. And so, 
He didn't mean to, I think, but he poured a little bit of water over the fire that was uh, burning in my heart. And he said, basically, camps are just camps. You know, they're just something that happens. And that the things that we were going through, he suggested, were just a camp thing. Now, I don't know how you feel about this. You know, is something like WinterCon or a church camp just like a concert that you go to where you experience a buzz for a little while that takes you out of your day-to-day life and excites you until the next event. I don't think the pastor was intentionally trying to downplay the experience that we had shared, but perhaps some of us agree with him on some level, you know, in our hearts, as we think about WinterCon, as we think about the effects of it, as we think about different events that we've been a part of, maybe some of us might feel this way as well. It's just a camp thing that'll wear off in a few weeks. Last week, our guest, uh, guest preacher, Reverend Dr. David Starling, talked about the multifaceted wisdom of God. And he talks about the way that this wisdom enters into our church, and our daily lives are the prisms by which God shines his light and grants his wisdom. The light comes in, and our daily lives are the things that break apart the light and present it before a watching world. And we see these tantalizing glimpses of this in the chapter today in Acts 2. As the outpouring of the Spirit of God comes upon the community of believers, and we wonder, what about for us then? What about for us, New Life? At WinterCon, we saw the work of the Holy Spirit in the way that we were able to be open and transparent with one another. Some of us were people that we had just met that day. You know, we drove up, We were sitting with people that we had never met, and we were able to talk about some of our deepest sins and idols, things that our family members don't know about, things that our friends don't know, things that we didn't even know about sometimes. We were able to share with one another. So where do we go from here? Do we wait until the next WinterCon in a year's time? Who can guarantee it'll happen, right? Like the last three years have shown. Do we keep on examining what God's activity was at WinterCon itself in order to try to do it again in our daily lives, in order to try to replicate it in some way. What we see in Acts 2 is God's promise being fulfilled as the Holy Spirit is poured upon the disciples of Jesus and this work of renewal begins in God's people. But notice how short the description of the Spirit's manifestation is. It just takes up a few verses at the beginning of this chapter. Verses 1 to 4 read, When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Quite often in the modern church, we can get caught up in the different acts of the Spirit. You know, sometimes you see churches build whole theologies just on these four verses, attempting to recreate this, the different signs, and start looking for the Holy Spirit's activity in this way. How can we get this to happen again? Who wouldn't want to see it? Who wouldn't want to see these fantastical things like fire coming down and resting on people's heads? people speaking in different languages. But it's the change that comes, the response of the people 
that gets explained in much greater detail in this chapter. Shouldn't it be the same for us then? We can't just wait for the next winter con, and we can't necessarily just duplicate exactly what takes place in another time, in another culture, or in another setting in our day-to-day lives. Even if it's our very own church camp, we can't just duplicate it in our day-to-day lives. Following the Holy Spirit's activity in the first four verses, much more is said about the response of the onlookers. They're confused. They think, surely they're just drunk. So Peter has to take time to explain just what's happening by preaching a sermon to them, talking about the Spirit's coming as a fulfillment of God's promise as seen in the Bible in the book of Joel. And all of this is happening because of the resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ to the right hand of God the Father. You see that in verses 22 to 35. We don't have to go back there right now. And it's then that Peter puts out this challenge for them. See Jesus for who he is. Join his followers and receive the Holy Spirit. This is the place that many of us found ourselves at WinterCon, where we were presented with who Jesus is, and as we join with his followers, as we join in small groups, as we center our lives around Jesus and commit our lives to following him, the Holy Spirit moves in us. And so what follows from there? Before we get there, I know that some of us who were there had some concerns more for our friends and family. And I understand this. Those that don't know Jesus, those that have perhaps rejected him before. Notice this in this passage. Peter is giving this challenge to those who had already rejected Jesus before, to his face. Like the bodily Jesus who was there in their faces saying, follow me. These are the people that had rejected him, and yet they're given another chance to receive the promised salvation that Jesus himself had offered to them. This is is crazy if you think about it. Though they had rejected the Son of God to his face, God, the Father, is now including Peter in his plan for salvation for them. Peter, who had rejected Jesus as well, who had denied him, is included in this plan. God includes us, who have received this promise in his work of salvation for this world. Whether it be your family members, whether it be your friends, whether it be coworkers, whoever it might be, allowing us to extend another chance to those who had rejected him previously. And this is our right as true sons and daughters of God. Those who have received the inheritance can do with it what they wish. You can share the inheritance with other people. It's probably right that we do. Now what happens after Peter's sermon? They were pierced to the heart. And other translations say they were cut to the heart. You know, whatever it might be in your preferred translation, Acts 2.37 reads, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what should we do? The people who had previously rejected Jesus have their eyes and ears opened 
and they can see they had acted in ways against their own best interests. They've been foolish and stubborn, they've been chasing after death and not life, and now they want to figure it out. What do we do? Perhaps in the time of identifying the idols in your lives, you were able to come to this conclusion as well. You had these revelations too where you were able to see, hey, maybe it's not a good idea to chase after fill in the blank. And so what now? Verses 41 to 42 tell us, so those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. We're going to see some baptism confirmations next week. But what we need even more than this is to see real and lasting change and devotion in all of our lives, not just in those who commit themselves to baptism and confirmation. What will our church look now, now after WinterCon? We see in this chapter in Acts what the first church looked like. This is the first church. The Holy Spirit brought them to unity, to peace, to joy, and they were able to glorify God together in the midst of all of this. A new community was being built up by God in this place. It wasn't just a group of individuals who would gather together for a time and then after their lives were radically changed, they just went their separate ways and never spoke to each other again. You know, it wasn't like if you went to WinterCon and shared in your deepest, darkest secrets, prayed like crazy, cried in front of each other, and then the next week, when you see each other at church, you avoid eye contact, going, man, that was embarrassing. I don't want them to see me like that again. It's not like that. This type of living is possible for people that are united together under the gospel of grace. When we understand that this means a fundamental change in the way that we live our lives, then we can enjoy the blessings of this new life together. We have access to this type of life, is the point. We have access. What took place at WinterCon was not just a camp thing. God's promises are not just for the Son of God, Jesus. They're not just for his chosen first people, the Jews. But for everyone who receives this message, the promise is secure. We can experience the blessings of God in the fellowship of our community together by the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's what this looks like. When we live out this Christian life, we can devote ourselves to the teaching that takes place through the Bible and church. Not just me preaching to you, but all of the teaching that takes place. Where we really seek to be changed by the message of the gospel. Where it doesn't just become the thing that we say each week, but it becomes a thing that flows, our whole lives flow from this place. We can be cut to the heart. We can be committed to confession and repentance together to turn back to God and glorify Him. When we live out this Christian life, we can devote ourselves to fellowship, sharing together in community. Those who were at WinterCon got to experience a taste of this within the group times, 
one of the most common pieces of feedback that I heard about the group times was that you were able to go surprisingly deep, surprisingly quickly. We only had two times when you guys can meet together. It had to be quick. But why do you think that was that you were able to get so deep? Because there wasn't a fear in this opening up to one another and praying together and asking for support because you could see we have a common faith in Christ. We're here for a common goal, a common message. And by it, we're brothers and sisters in the same family. So why would we pass judgment or why would anyone pass judgment on me for sharing the things that all of us are struggling in? We enjoy the stability of a loving father who will never leave us nor forsake us, who's always gracious towards us. And so, of course, the opinions of our brothers and sisters falls a little bit in importance. And so it makes sense for us to have a little bit of responsibility for one another, that we can love one another in generosity, in our invitations, in our transparency towards one another. Fellowship isn't just a ministry at our church. Fellowship ministry exists to provide the opportunities for fellowship. Just like witness provides opportunities for evangelism, just like everything that we do provides opportunities for these things, that it can grow in your life as well. Yes, in fellowship, we gather together for fun. Yes, we do. But also so that you can see the value of this openness and transparency, not only for you, but for the whole community. The community needs people like you to come and connect with other people as well because what you talk about matters. When we live out this Christian life, we can devote ourselves to the breaking of bread together. This is quite often a lot of your favorite things. The regular day-to-day eating, like my, my social media is clogged with so much food. It looks so great. But day-to-day eating together that doesn't wait for a special occasion. It's not just a wintercon thing that we can gather together and have meals together. It's not just a Sunday thing where you go out with your life groups or with different people that you meet at church or newcomers lunch or whatever it might be, but it's the normal rhythms of life. We continue to meet and eat together so that we can remind one another of the reason that we meet. We don't meet and eat together just to enjoy food, just to take a picture. We meet together for a reason. We remind each other of the value of commuting together. When we live out this Christian life, we can devote ourselves to prayer. Not only in the set times of communal prayer in the life of the church here, whether it's pre-service prayer before, 10 minutes before service, or Friday night prayer, which happens fortnightly, but the regular ongoing prayers in your life groups in your ministries that you're a part of, in all of your meeting together and the breaking of bread with one another, knowing that our Father listens to us and cares for us and wants to hear us. This is the devotion to prayer. Sometimes at camps like WinterCon, we wonder why life can't just be like this. 
And the truth is, it's because we don't bother to make life like this. We don't really want it. The quality of our lives together as a Christian community can be like this because God is just as much at work in new life today as he was at the time of the first church in Acts. Do you believe this? When you read through the book of Acts and you see the Acts of the Apostles, when you see the Holy Spirit at work through the book of Acts, do you know that he's just as much at work right now in your heart, in the hearts of the people sitting next to you? But some of us don't want it. We read what they did in Acts and we think, this sounds like a bit much. I understand. Read with me verses 44 to 47. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. This terrifies some of us. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Like every day, we read this, we read every day, and you know, some of the introverts here are just like, please God, no. Like maybe once a week, maybe once every two weeks. I used to hear about this chapter in history as being the ideal for churches, as being what we should shoot for, as though we should be all doing exactly what the first church was doing, as though this wasn't just a description of the first church, but it was prescribing to us exactly the way that the church should be. And I would read this part and get really excited until I had something to do. Like how many of you feel like this when you read this and you, you love camp and you love being together 24 seven for a couple of days, but you've got things to do. You know, you've got family and friends outside of the church. You've got a new puppy to take care of. You know, you've got the new lawyer drama that you have to watch, whatever it is. Every day meeting together seems like a bit much. Will our lives look exactly like the lives of the first church? No, it won't. Just like there are other churches around Sydney and they don't look exactly like our church, do you believe that God is less at work in those churches than at our church? No, he loves us, he loves them. There's beauty in the people that God has gathered here. There's a Kairos timing, a God's perfect timing in when God has brought us here. The people of Jerusalem have been renewed by God's fulfillment of his covenant promises at the time of Acts 2. And the gospel unfolds to us in very similar and yet different ways as well. Our church is living in a different time period, in a different setting. Australia looks a little bit different from Israel. Our church doesn't have to look exactly like the Acts church. The important place is to not start with the outward acts that they're doing, the outward actions, but in the change inside of our own hearts. We are children of God. You came out of camp believing this, 
can you continue in this belief? We've been changed, which means that the things that we once held as foremost in our hearts are no longer number one. We worship our God, and our worth is not in what we own or our status in the community or the friends that we have. So when we read at the end of Acts 2 that the people were selling what they owned voluntarily to provide for one another as needs came up, we don't need to feel terrified by this because this type of generosity is not exclusive to this time in history, but it manifests itself in a slightly different way today, maybe in similar ways. The Spirit's work is not confined to just this chapter is the point. There are stories today that share similarities to the Acts of the Apostles in your lives and in the lives of people around you. Now, don't get me wrong. There will be necessary changes. There always are in a new life with God. But what exactly that looks like to you, with all of us here at New Life, that's up to God. We can't just fit our church into the mold of another church. We can't fit our lives into the mold of someone else's life. The work of God looks different in different places and different times and in different people. Though we all have the rights of adopted sons and daughters in this household, God the Father still sees how unique he's created each of us. And he still loves us the same. He reaches us in unique ways as well that we might receive this love. What matters here then is our response. How do we respond to this kind of love? Just as in this chapter where the first part that described the manifestation of the Holy Spirit was short, so too in your lives, the outward stuff trying to force the outward stuff to happen must look short as well. The question and the longer description of our lives is in the way that we're cut to the heart and in the way that we respond in change. We're here where we're at now and God is fulfilling his promises to us even now. What's your response gonna look like? How about we prepare our hearts for what God will do, if you'll join with me in prayer. New Life, I just wanna encourage you don't be discouraged if coming out of WinterCon, your life doesn't look like the life that you had envisioned, the life that you had hoped for coming out of camp. Don't be discouraged if you weren't able to join us for WinterCon, but instead ask God with all of us, what now? How do I respond here and now? Not then, not in the future, but now. Father, we turn to you now and we recognize, Lord, in this moment in history, this Sunday morning, with this group of people that we sit next to, in our hearts, 
you're doing a mighty work. We don't want to be the ones that stand in the way of this. And yet we're the only ones who can stand in the way of this. Would you break down our walls of resistance? Would you break down our stubbornness, our complacency, our laziness, our fear of change? And would you help us to respond by being pierced to the heart and by seeking to know what it is that we should do now? We don't want to just go back to our old lives. And we don't want to just look at what you've done in the past, but we want to see what it is that you're doing now. Help us, Lord, to have a new commitment to you. Help us, Lord, to confess and repent before one another, to consider one another our brothers and sisters in this family. Help us, Lord, to look to you, the Father, the one who accepts us, the one who welcomes us no matter what. And in this, may we find our identity once again. Help us to build upon this, our solid foundation, our solid rock, Jesus Christ, and what he's done for us, that we might be able to build anew once again. May we commit to this new life. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.